0: podcast has bad words <laughs> do you guys do any live stuff anymore like no. instagram live facebook
1: live no. If live no we're on tour we will right just it's funny because like i'll have the urge to do instagram live every once in a while by myself like just for my own personal account yeah just for fun yeah but, but then you're kind of like what's the point yeah <laughs> i'm like i'm like this is just adding to the noise I'll, i don't know i'm, well, tr- actually, I'm I, try that. that's
2: it. perfect that's are you recording yeah. that's perfect let's so so that that's the I didn't have my podcast start. voice on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now I'm ready Hello. to record.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Matt thinks he's Ira Glass <laughs> 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 Hey, patrons. Um, the the thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter. Yeah, you guys are awesome. We are grateful. It you puts have no us in, idea
1: in the studio space. It, I know some people are like, "Oh, it's just two bucks," but dude, that two bucks is everything. That's right. And we really, really appreciate it. Josh can buy coffee with that two dollars. We we have we own a coffee shop. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> we can buy extra coffee with that two dollars. <laughs> so here's
2: here's the thing, man. Uh, you were you were talking about like, oh man, man so with Instagram, I feel like uh, sometimes I get the urge to just go live, and like I'll
1: be walking to I'll be walking to the like this morning I had the urge I was walking to the office, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, I kind of just want to like just get on live and have a random conversation on my way to the office and talk about going to the podcast but then it seemed a bit solipsistic. It's not about the attention, but it started to feel about like when I really was digging into like, why do I have this urge? It was like,
2: oh, I want
1: eyes on me and that's I want to question so, that. But the, but the other thing too is like, there is a communal feel. I, I, I do so bad at this. Like this is where my insecurity comes from is because I'll look at something and be like, here's 50% good. Here's 50% bad. And I can't make up my freaking mind. So then I just don't do it. <laughs> But, yeah, it's, it is a good question to ask. Like, if you are going to do something like that, like, why? What's the why behind it? Yeah, what's the why behind it? Well,
2: here's the, the, the thing with – well, actually, let's go
1: – let's do some more about less real quick. I found this
2: article this morning. Instagram hungry crowds are destroying the Superbloom. Dude, I cannot tell you. You went to the Superbloom. I went – did you go? Uh, Have no, but actually like it's Natalie, my
0: partner and my sister Michelle were pinging me that were trying to put together a plan to do this mm. and I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> I just, for me, I was like, eh, I just don't think it's that interesting. I think go, like just seeing a bunch of flowers bloom, I imagine it was going to be overcrowded just because I saw it all yeah. over the place. Oh, it was. And then I saw this instant, this, uh, I think it was a news report about how it was kind of destroying it. Oh, well, dude. The, the
2: one that we go to,
0: Yeah, uh, you went to the same one I went to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the it's the antelope something something. Antelope National. Valley. Like yeah. the nice
2: thing
1: is they have paths so you're not walking through the flowers themselves. But the problem is that that's only on that's only at that state park. Right? Everywhere else Everywhere else like lit- oh dude, I it's funny, it's so hard for me not to play I want to say social justice warrior, but that's not it. But to play to like try and police everyone. Cuz like what I re- cuz I just saw so many people trampling flowers. Literally, like, you know, girls, oh, I have this original idea to lay in the poppies and take an aerial picture of myself laying in the poppies. Uh-huh. And I just want to, like, roll it on the window and be like, you're ruining nature. <laughs> like, that shit takes years and years and years to grow back. But yeah. it's like, I would ha- I would just be that old, angry, you know, old, angry white guy yelling,
0: get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right,
2: but, but the weird thing, so, so here's here's the article. In the hills of Lake Ellison, children carried drooping apricot-colored poppies while... Paint While well, <laughs> well, panting not painting dogs, panting dogs run alongside them. Their <laughs> paws tainted orange. My God, so much alliteration going on there. Girls braided flowers into their hair and nature photographers juggled tripods and cameras waiting for the lighting to be just right in Walker <sighs> Canyon. Throngs of visitors are trooping in the fields of Riverside County and elsewhere as Southern California re- reveals... A super bloom of wildflowers, thanks to an uh, unusually wet winter. So this winter was really, there's so much rain. So the super bloom is it's not just a regular bloom; it is a, a massive uh, amount of flowers have bloomed very early, by the way. And so yeah, it's
1: uh, like I mean, I really do feel like it's a once in a lifetime type of thing to see, man.
2: Well, it was the wettest winter I think in 60 years, or wettest yeah. February in, in 60 years. Yeah. Quote: "It's better. It's better than going to Disneyland." said randy Solis, a patrol officer with the riverside county habitat conservancy agency who was stationed at a trailhead saturday in the temescal mountains where the hills were carpeted in day-glow orange poppies.
0: I don't think he's been to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went this past weekend for the first time. Yeah. It was pretty great. <laughs> yeah,
1: Small World's a pretty awesome ride. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, would, <laughs> I would say it's not
2: as bad as Disneyland, so maybe it's better than Disneyland. Yeah, you're allergic to fun, though, Josh. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't I
1: mean, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so, But with all the crowds, some flowers are paying the price. Blooms are being trampled despite efforts by park rangers to keep people oh. on trails and walkways.
1: Park rangers were literally Really, yelling. really? Yeah, like going around and being like, please don't step off the
0: path.
2: Like I think they should just shoot people on site. Oh mm. my god, dude. What like, do you do, w- man? I mean,
0: honestly, it would only take one. <laughs> and then everybody else would stop. All oh. you need is one dead body. <laughs> you know
1: what? But you know what? Like there's somewhere in between like letting them do it and shooting them. <laughs> 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 they should start handing out tickets, man. Yeah. They should have cops yeah. down there like literally handing out like three hundred dollar tickets. Oh, you want to lay in the poppies and f- to get your one selfie? Yeah. Like here's a three hundred it's costing you three hundred dollars us to do that so, like, so here's mm-hmm. the thing We the,
2: the title of this this article says it all instagram hungry crowds are destroying the super bloom yes i agree and i was there and i was uh, the only person without a phone in fact ryan's i went ryan asked about it because i was like hey, you got to go to this particular one because there's paths and right. you don't have to step on the flowers sort of thing but um
1: i was like hey did you get a picture
2: i went to google and just looked at a picture yeah. and sent it to ryan i'm like yeah. because here's the truth the better pictures are or on online. Google. They're yeah. already there. Absolutely. We were at a Matt, the Matt Nathanson concert last night, yeah. and I see people taking terrible videos from halfway <sighs> back on their phones. I'm yeah. like, "You know
0: he's on YouTube, right?" Mm-hmm. It's like it, but it's like they they want people to know that they were there. Look at me, that's why the you that get a selfie with a the celebrity cuz yeah. like, I was there with them. But yeah. and so that's the wrong
2: why, right? Yeah. So so when Ryan said I I'm walking down, you know, whatever uh, Vine Street or, or, and you are holding the the camera doing the the live or thinking about doing that mm-hmm. the why could be well i you know I, I think people would find value in this and i'm going to answer some people's questions because i asked right. some time or i'm going to have coffee on my my balcony in the morning and i'm yeah. just going to answer a bunch of questions it's going to add value to other people's lives or it could be i want people to know that uh here's my view or here is my neighborhood or uh,
1: it's to make other people jealous too man like, yeah. because, I mean, I, I there's a piece of me that believes that the people who are trampling, who are ruining nature, so, he, they, so they get that one selfie, like, A, they go to Instagram and they start to get jealous. Mm-hmm. And they start to compare their lives to everyone else. So then they're like, oh, I need to be doing this stuff. And not only do I need to be doing this stuff, but I have to prove that I'm doing it so I can make other people on Instagram feel like how these Instagram posts make me feel. Like, it is this really vicious cycle and it's like I don't know what to do about it man because like people people come up to me all the time and they'll say you're one of the minimalist guys can I get a selfie and of course I'm gonna be like sure like I'm not gonna be a jerk and say no but maybe I should start being a jerk and be like no but I'll spend five minutes with you. Isn't that what a uh... Lucy K? Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so um, you see how that turned out for him, right? Yeah,
2: right. No, but I'll
0: masturbate in front of Aziz, yeah, 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 But that, yeah. <laughs> well, you see
2: how it turned out for Aziz uh, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. They
0: both their careers are blooming. Uh, <laughs> one might say Unintended. a super bloom.
2: <laughs> so, so here's the thing. I for you, this do do? reason do do? I, I dislike Instagram. Right. For okay. for this uh, uh, Instagram hungry crowds like mm-hmm. that's it's gross. Yeah. What we do is what we're doing right now. Hmm. We, we, we use the platform to add value to people's lives. We cut through the noise with value. There's a reason that Ryan and I don't go speak at Buddhist monasteries because they'd be like, what What? Are you, what can you possibly tell us? No, yeah. we go talk at shopping malls. And, and when we do that, uh, or we speak at large corporations or huge conferences of, of, of people who need a different perspective Mm -hmm. and i think we can use these mediums just like we can use the largest mall in north america west edmonton mall in Mm -hmm. edmonton canada and we spoke there and people are like what hypocrites so we went we spoke at the apple store in chicago and they're like can't believe where would you rather me speak would you rather i go to uh uh, a community of people who are living in caves and tell them about living simply. Right. No, you and so you want to go where the noise is in hopes that if you use it effectively, you can cut through it. Matt is one of the best examples of this. One thing you talk about is creating Netflix quality uh, on YouTube. That is very rare there because it's so noisy. Mm-hmm. Right. It. it I, I think uh, thanks to to Jordan, we have one of the most beautiful podcasts on on uh uh youtube but, it, but it's essentially, it's just a it's a it's a video version of this it's different from what you're doing it's capture our podcast on video you're creating these films that and you're using youtube as a medium and you cut through the noise because you've created this thing of of quality more people get value from there because they're like oh yeah there's this other stuff out here but this this is different
0: yeah, I think that's that's like what I strive for, and that's what I encourage others to. Because what's the worst case scenario? If you focus relentlessly on creating the best quality you possibly can before mm-hmm. you just put out a bunch of shit, you're just like if you don't reach anybody, if your films aren't successful uh, in how you want them to be, you still got really good at becoming a filmmaker. Right. Right. So there's really no downside to it. It's and
2: successful I'll, in a different way. Yeah, it's it's success in the oh, I'm becoming a better creator. That to me is a much more honest mark of, of because anyone can get lucky I, thankfully Ryan and I have never had anything that's gone viral which is like a yeah. We were
0: talking about that. So you guys are the J Cole of podcasters,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right? Like we've had a few hit singles. Yeah, but but we had that one. Uh, uh, was it the business something that that Yahoo picked up?
2: Yeah, and like
1: crashed our website right. during 2014. But like
2: right, and so we have had a few hit singles that people know, sort of thing. Yeah. But like we 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 avoid going viral, and I think the questions we've already talked about today is we. <laughs> Unfortunately we're in a time now where it's this. It's it's Instagram hungry. Man, if I could just create this viral moment. Yeah. Yeah, but here viral, you know what else would create a viral moment if if you were chopped in half and you filmed it. <laughs> if well, you
1: write that <laughs> chopped in half. <laughs> and
2: if if you get into a car crash, that's that, that can go viral. I mean, the things on the World Star go viral. People like fighting other
1: people on a subway. Yeah. But if you hear the words world star yelled out at yeah, any given duck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, run.
2: <laughs> uh, and, and so the thing the thing is when we when we create to to, to simply cre- there's nothing wrong with going viral by the way but if we're creating it as as the goal of the viral moment no like Matt was creating a, where the the objective here was like i want to become a better filmmaker and eventually something may or may not go viral but either way you're going to add value to people's lives there's a problem
0: too with virality in that your audience grows so quick that it's it's not always the people that you want to be building a community with or Mm. building it like i'd rather grow slow i've had a couple videos get uh, millions of views and then you can see that the comment section takes a turn and i think mm. like generally my comment section on my youtube videos are really positive really encouraging yeah. a lot of you see a lot of the same faces over and over again mm-hmm. and people are really supportive but then if a video gets 3 million views like my cold shower video mm-hmm. and then like all of a sudden you you go back to the comment section after just it, it takes off and then you start to see all these people so what he's taking a cold shower oh bravo do you want a medal and it's like every all of a sudden this negativity starts to come into it uh Uh, but i would i mean not i'm not saying that like oh it it sucks to get three million views but you have to understand that there's a bit of a trade-off and that what's what's weird there's
2: something weird about that because i've noticed people who are especially younger than matt you're what 32 31 okay so uh when i meet like youtubers for lack of a better term i don't think of matt as a youtuber but i think of youtube as a vehicle through which he he creates films and distributes films basically Mm -hmm. um as one of the vehicles right because you also use instagram or we use netflix together right and like those are all just or or itunes whatever they're all just distribution vehicles and you'd be happy to go to uh vimeo if that was what made the most sense for a particular project and and becoming somewhat vehicle agnostic is is important but the thing i've noticed when i meet these new youtubers one of the first things they do when they introduce themselves to me they tell me how many followers they have it Get happens all the time I have not had that and even really good people like it, it, it's just it's become part of the the culture like, like an
1: email or you're talking like face to face
2: face to i was walking down uh, <laughs> la cienega a few months ago and this guy walks up to me hey you're one of the minimalist guys i'm i'm like yeah yeah hey how's it going he's like oh yeah i i do videos on on youtube my most popular one has 6 million views first thing he tells me wow and i'm like oh wow Uh, uh, what was
0: it about he's like that's clearly like insecurity well it's just somebody like saying like well he Mm -hmm. admires you and he wants to show that he's like oh you know people like me too
1: (laughs) yeah well it's also Mm -hmm. like a very easy way to feel like uh you're making a difference or like you're standing out i mean i i I think that people look at going viral as the easy way to make money if i could just Mm -hmm. come up with that one hit single and like sell 10 million copies. <laughs> I'll have it. And so like they're always trying to make these hit singles. So so because they're aiming for this hit single, they're constantly keeping track of their numbers. I mean, I, I yeah, I think it's I think it has to do with insecurity as well. But man, it's what a culture we live in, dude. It's unbe- it's unbelievable. Like the the views that we get, if we let that determine our self worth. Oh. If we let that determine uh, our our uh, how much we're adding value. I mean, it, it, I don't look at our numbers, man. Like I, I look at them at every once in a while. I actually look at your numbers more than I look at our <laughs> numbers. But that's only because like I'm so happy for like how much you're growing. I'm like, damn, look at Matt like taking off, you know. But like it's not it's not a comparison thing. Uh, when we're but it could turn into a comparison thing. And when it does, like that is when man that is just like the perfect seed for discontent man
2: well because you're you're it's never going to be enough yeah because for every you
1: know
2: our podcast has done really well but it's not going to remain in the top 10 every week of right. all podcasts Like we've done right. that a few times but
1: even like you look at the and top podcasts like there's some of them where like i look at their audience and i'm like i don't want that i don't really i mean i want to reach right. everyone but like there's certain podcasts that have certain audiences and i'm like oh man like if we had that audience they would just like they would put us through the ringer like that, you were that's talking the same
0: about. thing with uh, like you guys having guests on your show me having guests on my podcast mm-hmm. it's not about the numbers you're not looking like well does this person have three million subscribers or how many followers on twitter or instagram it's do i respect their work mm-hmm. is there something i could learn from them do mm-hmm. i think i'd have a meaningful conversation if i had them on yeah. and it doesn't have to do with the numbers uh do you think it's valuable to to set, like, an enough number? Like, if somebody's thinking about a salary or thinking about uh, followers or you know, sometimes, you know, having zero subscribers, if I want to be a full-time YouTuber, isn't sure. going to be
1: well, possible. when it comes to a salary, okay. like, yeah, like, there, there's a basic income, depending on where you live, that you're going to have to make. So I think, like, in in that aspect, yes. But when it comes to social media, like, I think that is the wrong reason yeah it's the wrong metric well because you're going to start doing things just to get the numbers that's a problem but there's hard metrics and soft
2: metrics so, so like the hard metric is like i have to have a hundred thousand or million right. or 10 million or whatever um and, and that's quantifiable and that's why people when they come the guy said i've the, the, my most popular video has six million uh uh views i said oh cool well what's it about i said uh a friend of mine punched one of like Paul hey, Logan, stop. yeah, or no way, uh, or, or, or Logan Paul or whatever. Punched yes. another YouTuber yeah. in the face, right? And, and that's what got the most views, right? Good grief, I'm like, man! Oh, like okay. And I asked him, "Are like, oh, you proud of that?" Yeah. And he's like, "Well, I just you know, i just like
1: you know, I'm trying to get my name out yeah. there." And <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I agree okay. with the soft metric part of it because when I think about uh, Jordan and how. Like I, I know that Jordan looks at the numbers, and actually looking at it through Jordan's lens, uh-huh. I get it why he looks at the numbers. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not, it's not that he has a certain number in mind like, oh we need to get to you know X amount of subscribers as much as like a- is the creation that I'm putting out there is it, is it resonating? Mm-hmm. Is it meaningful? Mm-hmm.
2: But the, the, the soft metrics are, are really what tell you what's meaningful, and it's, it's a lot harder to get there. It, it becomes less about data, more about anecdote. Do
1: you have view, do you have goals with views, Jordan? The point in my opinion is to read the room like a comedian you, you tell a joke you see how they react yeah. mm. the so jordan's talking about how comedians like they'll, they'll they'll when they're trying out jokes or whatever they will tell the joke and then they read the crowd
0: mm-hmm. to yeah, like, see I, like, you can't just like put something out and then just run away i think that you do need some kind of feedback to understand Absolutely. if yeah. it's resonating yeah, and if it's I a direction you should head i don't,
2: I don't if that's
1: true man so I, they're indicators but maybe not the goal when it comes to views that's a
2: good way to put it yeah. for sure I, I think yes you can do it that way you can do it like like a comedian but many of the best comedians don't they don't really give a shit about the crowd um right. they will they will that's get true. up there I and mean, bill burr he's he'll get up there and they could be booing him and he is relentless yeah mm-hmm. and uh, because he he doesn't let he doesn't let that affect him. Now, if we got up there, imagine people start booing us on one of our tour stops. <laughs> I would just I'd be like,
1: like, "Why did you guys pay to come here? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> like, you really came here. You paid to boo us." It was I mean,
0: four chan that showed up.
1: Thanks, yeah, <laughs> thanks for showing up. And I'll just uh, actually, I would probably just sit there and let <laughs> them boo us like as long as they wanted.
0: Well, what, hey, it's your time. <laughs> what was that comedian that said like it can be both? That was on your uh, show, yeah, you, Andrew Schultz. Andrew Schultz, yeah, right. Yeah, like it, it can be it both, like, yeah. and it can work for both people. Mm. Uh, and I think that for me we were talking about this at lunch the other day where i kind of see youtube as a game a Mm -hmm. little bit Mm -hmm. uh where when you're playing baseball there are certain rules general there are hard rules in baseball you have to follow Mm -hmm. but then when it comes to something like youtube there are some some softer rules that like having a really great thumbnail that conveys the message of the video and that's appealing and interesting Mm -hmm. Uh, having a, a title that accurately well i would say if you're trying to You know, build an authentic audience, having an accurate title that represents the video. If you're simply trying to get clicks, you can make it inaccurate. Right, but Um, but
2: that that doesn't build trust. It does the opposite. Like, yeah, I've seen their videos before, and Matt had seven videos, and all of them were clickbait. I'm done clicking this nonsense. Yeah,
0: (laughs) but it's a bit of a game. And like, if I do a really good job at marketing or promoting this thing through the thumbnail and the title, I'm going to reach more people, and hopefully, impact more people's lives how more game. people I don't think it's a game I think I think
2: that that's art man you are finding a way and it's a new kind of art that we're not used to yet mm. but more people are going to look at the beautiful painting
1: but, at the museum Yeah I mean I could see though like gamifying it a little bit in your head to like make it more uh, to that's make it more serious. interesting for you yeah to make it less serious to make it more interesting for yourself it's like the point isn't the game but gamifying it may help cuz like I mean when I think about like the meditation app was waking up Sam Harris. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Mariah and I are now like, we're four days into it. This is our fourth day in a row. Mm-hmm. Like I want this meditation streak. Mm-hmm. And and it is a little bit of a game to Mariah and I, like how long can we keep it going? Sure. But it's, it is to make it a little bit more interesting. And I know that I'm gamifying something that is truly adding value to my life. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, but I, I think you're right too about it, it being art also. I mean, it's, I guess it's okay to look at numbers, it's okay to gamify it, it's okay to, uh, you know, read the comments, you just really have to get behind the why of why are you doing those things. Yeah,
0: and, and, and don't cry, like, if the Phillies lose a playoff game. Right. Like, if it's just like, you know, if if you put out a video and it doesn't, it's not a hit, mm-hmm. and people don't like it, mm-hmm. like, don't get upset about it, just take that as a learning lesson, mm-hmm. and then continue to put out more stuff, and then you'll kind of figure out your groove, eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah. We got some questions we want to dive into. We got some topics too.
2: Actually, we got. Let's read some more. More about less. All right. We have an article that I sent to you guys that I have somewhere around here. Ah, here it is. This one is about creativity. It's called "What Exactly Is Creativity?" Psychologists continue their quest to better understand creativity. This is from the American Psychological Association. So then it's legit. (laughs) Sounds legit. (laughs) Not all creative people are alike, which makes defining creativity a challenge and assessing it a monumental undertaking. I think that's true, too. When we talk about creating, it's like talking about art in a way, right? Like It's hard to define art. The the soft metrics I was talking about earlier, which I, I digressed from. Yeah, there's depth versus width. Like, mm.
1: width can be. Sorry,
0: that's another dick joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Matt, oh, is, <laughs> Matt is keeping
1: tallies of how many dick jokes we tell <laughs> <We're about four laughs> on right and off camera. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're up to four. <laughs> so, so
2: the, uh, the 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 depth piece is, hey, we really added value, changed ten people's lives. Or right now we have. Here's a good example. There are forty-seven patrons who uh, are going through this packing party mm. experiment mm-hmm. with us mm-hmm. and as they go through it their lives are going to change maybe not all of them some of them will, will quit or they give up whatever even then they'll learn some stuff from it but those forty-seven people. There's not a lot of width there, right? It's like we didn't reach forty-seven million people with the packing party. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna write about it in our next book, so maybe that'll reach more people. Who knows? That's not the that that's not gonna be the driver, though. Right. The driver is man. Imagine it's like you can have increments. Like we could we helped forty-seven million people, or we we added a million units of value to 47 people. It's essentially the same thing. Yeah. If you want to measure, it's harder to measure that, but wouldn't you rather change 47 people's lives? Like mm-hmm. think we built the school in, in Laos, mm-hmm. 66 kids there. Yeah. Change their lives. Absolutely. The the difference between that and, well, what if we could get 66,000 people to listen to this uh, YouTube video or something like that? It doesn't even compare, right? And so there's some depth in what you're doing as well. Ultimately, you, you hope for both. You hope you hope that. Well, I really hope 47 million people could do the packing party, but if 47 people do it, and that's it, like wow, we helped 47 people. It's 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 a different metric. It's a lot softer. It's a lot harder to quantify but it's a lot more meaningful at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, I think
0: that's the same thing for people who are looking to get into freelance. A lot of times we think we need more clients than we really do need. And yeah. y- you don't need to reach tens of thousands of people. You just need five clients, maybe 10 clients max. Yeah. And then you can create a sustainable business uh, without overwhelming yourself. Mm. Well, you, so you've
2: done that with Patreon. <clears throat> I
0: don't know what how many
2: Patreon subscribers you have, but you realize very quickly, like. Yeah, Kevin Kelly has this number, the 1,000 True Fans. Even Kevin talks about how arbitrary that is, because as a videographer, uh, people could have, uh, um, when you you started, you could have five clients who paid all the bills, right? Mm -hmm. Now, diversifying makes sense. So as an artist, maybe you have 12 clients who buy your paintings. And you're a multi-millionaire because of it, because right. those twelve people are really into it, right? Uh, and uh, with us, with Patreon, has been a great way for us to pay Sean and to pay Jordan and to pay Jess to pay for our studio space and eventually to pay us. Um, and and that's nice, but it del- also it, the weird thing about it is it still doesn't dictate the direction that we go in. That's when I I worry about gamifying the the thing Mm -hmm. to an extent where here's the line for me, I don't wanna compromise our values or our integrity or even our beliefs. You know, Ryan and, I, Ryan and I have different beliefs. We have to have shared beliefs when it comes to doing this mm-hmm. in order for it to work. The same when we work on a film together. All, we all have our own opinions and beliefs uh, about the thing, our own point of view, but they all sort of have to come together. There's to be a sort of Venn diagram in order for it to work out, as opposed to the game of it dictating. And you see that more anywhere, more than anywhere on YouTube and social media. It's like, what do I need to do to get, followers mm. and it's like well is, why why? Yeah. why is that your outcome yeah and, and to me that's not creativity that's content generation right the traditional psychological definition of creativity includes two parts originality and functionality you can't be creative unless you come up with something that hasn't been done before says psychologist dean keith simonton phd of the university of california davis The idea also has to work to be adaptive or be functional in some way. It has to meet some criteria of usefulness. Now, this is all fascinating because I don't completely agree with what he's saying. It can't be creative unless you come up with something that hasn't been done before. Yeah, it hasn't been done before in this way. Right. I mean, if you're copying, if you just take
1: everything that remains here and you're like, well, I'm going to type this out word for word. Right then you know that's not creative yeah copying is not creating well i mean think about andy warhol i mean like the infamous tomato soup cans right dude like you go to the store you see this all the time Uh uh-huh but no one's ever painted it right and and that's what so it wasn't completely wholly original
2: Mm -hmm. he took something and did something different with it you can call that remixing it or improving upon changing the thing you can call it aggregating art curating art Mm -hmm. and i mean i think Matt, when when you started making films, like you were inspired by people, and that makes its way into the work. Uh, there's a, here's our David Foster Wallace segment of the <laughs> podcast. Um, it's our DFW segment <laughs> brought to you by Joshua Fields Milburn. Well, th- I, there was this. Uh, he did this interview and in, at at a college, and uh, the, the student asked him, like, "Yeah, but like, you know, when when you're doing work and you're inspired by these people, like, what's the line between like copying what they're doing?" And then using what they're doing to for inspiration. yeah for, for inspiration. He goes, well, what's copying? What's wrong with copying what they're doing? Yeah, and and to me, like someone who's so wholly original as David Foster Wallace, you even realize. Oh no! He was inspired by John Barth and and Donald Barthelme and William Gaddis and, and and these different people who he made it something wholly original. But it was only after sort of copying the aesthetics of of people for a while. And I'm sure you came across that when you started making films.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good point, and that's something that people have asked me before. And I do encourage people to copy, to pull inspiration from others when it comes to say, if specifically within the world of filmmaking. Mm-hmm copy style like i there were a lot of people i looked up to and they were i wasn't even big into watching youtube videos but i there were people that were close to me that went to the same schools as myself that i really Uh, was inspired by, and I would just replicate what they were creating visually. But I wasn't taking word for word the things that people were saying. And I think that is probably the difference. Uh, And if you do that, or if you at least are heavily inspired by the content and the message somebody is uh, saying and Mm -hmm. delivering, just let people know where you got it from. There's no reason to just, you know what I mean? If somebody's talking about some of the ideas and everything that remains – uh, just say oh yeah this is like a really interesting concept that I learned from right. everything that remains shout out to even if it's Josh and Ryan
1: yeah even if someone copies like that's what, it, what is it imitation is like the best form of flattery or whatever because I, mm-hmm. I had someone actually come up to me at the event with Colin mm-hmm. and he was like hey man I just want to let you know there's someone in Mexico that is verbatim like just reading lines from your book and taking it as their own in Spanish and I'm like what are we going to do about it? Yeah. We well, hire hire a lawyer to go down there and like shut this kid down who's really I mean maybe he's doing it for just monetary purposes, uh-huh. but he's still spreading a really awesome message.
2: Right. It ultimately isn't that what we're trying to do anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the ultimate uh, form of this is someone who I really appreciate and admire is Leo Babalta, where he uncopyrights everything. Yeah. And so you go to the Amazon, there are about 40 different versions of his books because anyone can publish a version of his book.
0: Wacky wacky Leo. (laughs) Yeah, right?
2: Now, The ones that sell the most are the ones that he puts out because people want to to support support him. Of course, yeah. But, of course, there will be some people who don't know better, and he's like, well, you're still spreading the message and everything on my blog. You know what? You can even change the words and not attribute any of it to me. You can attribute it to yourself. I don't care. Do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Now, that's practicing some serious letting go, and I'm not as zen as him, (laughs) but I I, I aspire to that. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think he says, too, like, if you – can uh, reference me, or if you can draw people back to me, that's great, but yeah. if not, whatever. Right. And it, it, yeah, that's amazing. I right. wouldn't do that either, but, yeah. <laughs> right. I, but I also, then I don't let myself get worried. I imagine there are other people who just download my videos and re-upload it to their YouTube, YouTube channel. It happened when I was a freelancer, surprisingly. And I was just like, whatever. They're not gonna be able to replicate that video. They're yeah. not gonna be able to create Dude, it for themselves. Sean,
1: how many how many uh, versions of minimalism mm-hmm. do you have to take down off of YouTube a week? <laughs> like 10 20 I mean it's like every single Holy week we, we've got to check we we were checking it every day but it got to be so overwhelming isn't that yeah. flattering? Like, That's amazing. It's bro. like, oh man, we yeah. gotta like check it once a week because if we do it yeah. every day, like we're just gonna drive ourselves insane. And
2: people have like done some really shady ways to get around it. They like, yeah. they spell minimalism funny. Or mm. the worst is, um, but, but
1: the worst is that it's freaking free on Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, is it free?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah if, if you have Netflix, yeah, yeah. So, um, but or you know, you can rent it for a couple dollars or whatever. Right. I mean, the, it's it's not expensive. The the bear of entry is is small. It's very low barrier entry, yeah. But I there's a woman who wrote a book called Minimalism. Mhm. Different from our book Minimalism. Mhm. And I shit you not,
0: there's a picture of me on the cover. <laughs> oh dude. I think that's the line. Yeah, right. <laughs> the word Minimalism. I mean, you guys wrote a book called Minimalism, we made right. a documentary called Minimalism, but er, <laughs> they used phone. What, so yeah, what, and then, and it was the and the the worst part is me
2: in the desert from the film. <laughs> Uh, it's like oh, the wow. it's the image of of me in uh, the salt flats, right? The, so it's Matt's it's Matt's image. He owns the image. Oh wow. um, It is from our film. We own the film. It is a, a terrible book with full of typos. It was like sixty pages
1: or something. We had to do a cease and desist. Well, dude, that's a but but that's a money grab. Like that is right. someone who's
0: like. That's bad parenting and bad teaching. Yeah. Because how do you get to that point where you think that that's acceptable? Where you uh, think you could just steal an image? Was the b- content of the book different? At was, least. Yeah, it was not. It was like
2: they. Uh, it was but clear that English. I like was not minimalism. Language. Okay.
1: Minimalism is nice. It was, it was a money grab. A lot like that, right. but misspelled. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. That's the worst part, right, Sean? Minimalism. The title was misspelled. No way! Well, no way, dude. Yeah. They. 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 Uh, I was like. Minimalism or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was bad. Anyway, back to the article here. <laughs> uh, but the study of creativity by psychologists, active since the beginning of the 20th century, has taken that definition and expanded it, complicated it, and questioned it. Uh, this next section is called Personality Creativity Connection. There is, for example, a distinction be- to be made between little c creativity and big c creativity. You can make another little hash oh, yeah, mark sorry. there. <laughs>
0: yes sorry. I, thought, I thought we were doing only dick jokes <laughs> that counts
2: well yeah big C big C yeah
0: is, oh C big C oh I get it <laughs> Simonton says
2: jokes aren't funny if we have to explain them <laughs> yeah. little C creativity which is was my nickname in high school
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is off. this is patreon I could talk about this yeah I, about what. I had a dream.
0: Oh thank god. The other night. <laughs> this isn't a real story. I,
2: uh no, that like Bex was cheating on me with Kevin Hart. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, dude! Oh my and God!
2: The part I was mad about is she—you've I mean, been lying to me this whole time. You said you were only into
0: tall guys. <laughs> and isn't Kevin Hart like five two? <laughs> I normally don't like dream stories because they're not real, right? But when it's Kevin Hart having sex with your wife,
1: that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> if Mariah came to me and was like, "I have to tell you, I had sex with Kevin Hart," <laughs> I would be like, "Sweet, how yeah. was it?" Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, um, anyway Yeah yeah It, it we'll, we'll, we'll expand on that dream later It was a good <laughs> one But I, I, I've digressed too much uh, Little C creativity Which is often used As an indicator of mental health Includes everyday problem solving And to me that's That's what What we do We, we help people solve problems Yeah We don't solve their problems For them mm-hmm. You're not showing up At their house And like doing the packing party For them Right um, but we give them tools Right It's it's what Marie Kondo does yeah. And she does th- Those things better than us You know yep. I can't imagine Ryan Like showing up At people's house Showing them how to Fold their socks <laughs> I don't even know How to fold <laughs> socks Ryan would be like Step one Wherever you are In your house Take your socks off And put them on the floor <laughs> <laughs> Step two Eventually your cat Will move them And you won't be able To find them Step three Find
1: a partner Who will pick up After you <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ryan has always Toyed with starting The, the messy minimalist blog Oh my Because he owns like 70 things But they're Strewn throughout the house. <laughs> it looks like I own seven hundred things. Yeah, so good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, 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 let's see mental health includes everyday problem solving and the ability to adapt to change big C creativity on the other hand is far more rare it occurs when a person solves a problem or creates an object that has a major impact on how other people think feel and live their lives I mean ultimately I think what we're trying to do is do both we're trying to help people solve their problems and occasionally we'll create something and sometimes it's unintentional like we wanted the documentary minimalism to go well and it did well in theaters for a documentary um, yeah. about fifty thousand people saw it in theaters, and better than a poke in the eye. <laughs> this, yeah, right. <laughs> but but then more people saw it online, and then when it went to Netflix, more people saw it. It wasn't the intention. We're like, okay, we need tens of millions of people to see this thing. It was like, right. but that's what happened. Eventually, it, be, it so the little C creativity turned into the big C creativity, where it was like, this thing that we created to try to help people actually ended up helping a lot yeah. of people
1: and it changed never, the, their their minds. And never once were we like, did we discuss the numbers? Like, what is our main goal? I mean, we had like, you know, uh, projections just so we, you know, could have an idea of where things would land. But like, it was never like, all right, we need to get to, we need to get to this many theaters, we need to get to this many viewers, we need to get to this many downloads, so we could, you know, go to Netflix and then Netflix will want to pick it up and then, yeah, I mean, and it's, then we'll be happy, right,
0: right. It was, yeah, it was just about making something that we believed in. Mm-hmm. And if we could make our money back, that would be amazing. I right. remember that was my goal, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I was okay with losing the money. It was just like any investment sure. where I was so like, was this no budget, is worth it. Right. Like, yeah.
2: So we didn't spend any money on actual the filming of the thing. The
1: music is what cost us money, really. Music, and max music, all,
2: all the post-production, all, all the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Afterward, I mean, all that—the color grading and everything—it was like we, we, I don't know what it ended up costing it, but it was it was five figures, and so yeah. it was like fifty, five,
0: 50 like, to seventy or something like yeah, within that uh, range. Yeah, but it was all paid for by us. Yeah. I would say that the one thing is for a lot of people, they may see that number and think that's intimidating, mm-hmm. but for the most part. It was, I mean, like you said, it was the color grading, and then the sound mixing, and then the music. And if you cut out all that stuff, Mm -hmm. our main expenses, I shot and edited the entire thing. So it was travel. It was flights. It was getting around from A to B. It was maybe occasional equipment rentals. But for the most part, like... Ten thousand dollars. Yeah, it like, wasn't you can a lot. do it on. Very and if you little. take
1: out all the film festival submission fees, we'd have saved another big... ten grand. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, and so that's a beautiful
2: failure. Yeah. I mean, I I learned really quickly. In fact, I think we had
1: a question something
2: about film. Did we have something about yeah. film festivals, dude? Matt, it's
1: so funny. People like they'll come up to us and like, "Oh man, your movie's so great. You guys are so awesome, man. I really beautiful shot." And it's like, Matt, you're the reason why the film was awesome. Like Josh and I, we were on tour. And you're like hey let me come and film you guys so like i just like kind of look at us like we were monkeys that you
0: filmed and i mean couldn't have done it without you so it's definitely i mean that's like i said like literally i mean we all had a piece in making this thing and i i i was the the one that shot and edited it but at the same time without your guys vision without your story without uh your producing abilities you're right it was all me yeah (laughs) (laughs) I i mean honestly like when i think back to that moment like I was like originally a fan of your guys' writing and like a fan of Leo and Courtney and Joshua Becker and all these people. Uh, and for me to get an interview with them, to sit down with them, would have been really difficult and really challenging mm. for me to go about doing that and then even making the time. But then it was like this- v- Flying
2: out to each place. Yeah.
0: Yeah. and then this vehicle of like, hey, let's go on tour and then we can actually naturally get to each of these people as we go along. Yeah. Uh, and so obviously that like the film would have been just like what? What would have been without you guys? Yeah.
2: Well, well maybe that maybe that's a lesson. <clears throat> is like sometimes our creations can conform to the the sort of everyday life uh, to a certain extent. Like right? I mean, you, you're doing that now with the YouTube stuff. Is like I want to do this experiment now. That thirty day no. Uh, the, the thirty day. I was gonna say the thirty day no shower experiment. That's the <laughs> next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i've already done that experiment not worth it (laughs) ryan Ryan didn't film it but i smell something um no the the 30 day cold shower thing like you could do that on your own without doing any filming but like so that would be everyday life and then you just happen to say well i'm going to film this in hopes that maybe it inspires some people they get something out of it it's that 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 problem solving thing that we're talking about here uh it also talks about motivation and intelligence there are other components of creativity of, other, of creativity, domain relevant skills, quality processes, and intrinsic ta- task motivation, according to a component theory of creativity developed by psychologist Teresa Amble, PhD of Harvard University. But Amble points out that environmental factors such as freedom support and positive challenges so the challenges thing is interesting also play a key role in fostering creativity we we were talking about this with Matt Nathanson so Tennessee Williams wrote an essay called the catastrophe of success and I want to talk about that with you how has success whether it's minimalism whether it, it was client work or or you know you've landed some some relatively big interviews recently or your videos have just done well in terms of numbers how has that shaped you good or bad in what you are creating has it set up some some false expectations you've had to deal with
0: yeah i'd say uh it's interesting yeah i recently released a video with greg McEwen, who wrote the book essentialism mm-hmm. and he talks really about What's that? Really good Amazing, yeah. yeah. And it, his kind of is more of a, it's very similar and for a lot of people it could be the same exact thing as minimalism. Mm-hmm. I think he focuses much less on the stuff and the things in our lives and mm-hmm. just goes to how we, yeah, how we make our decisions and how are we spending our time and our energy, mm-hmm. which I think is the eventual point of minimalism. Yeah. But he talks about the paradox of success is that when you get more success, Uh, it's not always a good thing because Mm. then you have a lot more opportunities. In the beginning, you have to say yes to as much as you can. And I know you guys have talked about this quite a bit to the point where you can then start to say no. But then if you continue to have that mindset, I'm always going to say yes to every opportunity that comes in then you're very likely not gonna have the time that you originally had to make the work that create. made you successful or that got you to that place that you currently are.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't know when that tipping point is, but yeah, there definitely is a point where it's like, you have to start saying no a lot more than what you say yes. Do you? How,
0: do, yeah, sorry, I have a question. Like, how yeah. do you guys, this is something that I'm struggling with now sure. because I, I do get a lot of requests for people, hey, you wanna get coffee or you wanna do this? Yeah. Can I come on your podcast? How have you guys found to tactfully say no to people? Well, we set the expectation up like on our website
1: like as soon as I get someone's like, "Hey, I have an essay I'd like to share on your 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 blog." I'm like, "Well, then you don't read our blog because we don't we don't take guest essays so like I, I just ignore emails like that but um, but you can set up the expectation, whether it's on your YouTube page or in, where, wherever your profiles are that sets the expectation of like if you you know, if you want to have an interview with me, like a email, this email address, like we have a lot of uh, media requests. We have someone to handle that for us. Uh, And then they get to say no. Um, (laughs) Same thing with speaking gigs too. It's like, we have Andrew who, who, like, he gets to be the the guy who says no. It's not us having to say no anymore.
0: What, what if it's somebody that's kind of within the circle, that mm-hmm. may be a friend of a friend, yeah. that may be somebody that you feel like, oh, I kind of should because I know this person that knows this person?
2: Well, I, I, I'll give you a tactful way, I'll give you a specific example. But I mean the, the pithy answer that I often use is like, say yes until you have to say no, and then say no until you have to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um hmm. and, and that's exactly what you were talking about earlier. Like early on, it's like yes, yeah, say yes to every project, free projects. Get your build your portfolio, connect with people, network until you get those successes. That's important, right? But now, now what you're saying is you're at this point where it's time to start saying no until you have to say yes or. To you get to say yes, like the Gary Vee thing is like something you get to say yes to, right? Yeah. Um, you you did the interview with with him and put that all on on your channel. Um, now you get to say yes to to these things, but uh, you sent me a friend of a friend who has chemical sensitivities, and and he was trying to like find an apartment, and um, I've had a, lo- a bunch of health issues recently, um, and I just haven't had the bandwidth. And I just had to be honest. So for me, the, the way that um, I, I address this a lot is I don't
1: have the bandwidth to do this. Thank you for understanding. And that that is the other key is like saying no in a way that helps people understand. So you're saying... No, but you're you are letting them know very clearly what you're saying yes yeah, to. I think
0: the problem that I have is that when I say no, I always say, but maybe in a couple months, nope. reach out in a couple uh, months, and then they always true? reach out. And, is that true though? Um, like, are, are, like I kind of maybe feel that like, you know what I mean. Okay. It makes me feel good, yeah. but also I know whenever it always comes, I'm always like, oh, I still don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. Right. Well,
2: and and so. Uh,
0: we said
2: I think we did four or five interviews all year last year. Now you remember going on tour with us in 2014. We did 400 interviews we that year. We did four or
1: five interviews a day. Yeah, like I, it was. I mean, there was yeah. a time
2: in Salt Lake City. I don't know if you were there for that. We did nine in one day. That oh, was unbelievable. It was going for TV station to radio, back to TV, a newspaper to Alt Weekly, and like we we're doing all of these different things but we were saying yes to everything. You remember, you filmed us at 5.20 a.m. in Albuquerque. All the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and so like we were saying yes, but that allowed us to build up the the sort of skill set to be able to do it. And so last year, we said yes to Dave Ramsey, we said yes to the Today Show. Mm-hmm. In fact, we said no to the Today Show and said, you you have to come out here if you want, want to talk to mm-hmm. us, because I didn't want to fly to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, great problem to have, but it's not a position we were in before. Mm-hmm. And now you we're at a point where we can say we can say no until we get to say yes to yeah. something. But I will never I will never say because I made that same exact mistake you did, where it was like, y- yeah, just uh maybe a month from now. Or reach out to me next fall or whatever. I would say, I'm sorry I don't have the bandwidth for it. Another thing I will do, uh, Jamie Kilstein, do you know Jamie Kilstein? He reached out to me, he's a comedian, um um anyway he is a, a, a popular podcast but uh, he reached out and said hey could, do you want to be on podcast?" i'm saying no to interviews right now mm-hmm. but um you know what i'd love to get coffee across the street for uh, across the street for half an hour yeah. with you because i really respect what you're doing um and he's like wow that's even better like mm. but I can not tell you how many times I've done this. Like Tom from MySpace reached out to us.
1: Yes. Well, his yes. assistant reached out to us.
2: Oh, right. right. <laughs> and they're like, hey, do you want to be on this podcast? I'm like, no, but uh, i am be happy to get coffee with him. Crickets.
0: That's a really great indicator if somebody genuinely wants to build a connection with you and respects you. I mean, right. or I understand. I Like I get that both sides of it. I'm not saying that he doesn't respect you, but like it, you you quickly find out the true intentions, whether it's like... You want to meet this person right. or if you just want to create something together
2: yeah. now we'll get a lot of people reach out to us on twitter hey we'd love to meet up for coffee while i'm in la and like i, I generally don't respond to that if i don't know the person <laughs> i love
1: when they reach out to me on twitter hey how do i get a hold of you i just respond <laughs> just like this what's yeah. up yeah i just respond, with, <laughs> I respond twitter yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: yeah so because I, I don't know what you mean you want my phone number or like, like right w- what are you trying to
1: accomplish here right but eventually matt we're gonna get to the bill murray thing do you know what bill murray does So he literally has an 800 number that you can't just look up on Google. But if you have the number, you call, there's a beep that happens, and then you leave a message. And he filters through it all.
0: Like any project offer. There's no email anything. address. Yeah, There's no me, like, mailing
1: address. It's just a 1-800 number. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey,
2: Bill, this is Judd Apatow. And um, I have a project I'd like you to work on. Could you give me a call back when you get a sec? So he has no email. And he doesn't have a manager that manages it. He does it all himself. Yeah. It's like this private you know, number. And... If you don't hear back from him, that's a no.
0: Right, it's because he's gotten to the point where he's become Bill Murray. <laughs> where before True. he was Bill Murray, he wouldn't have been able to do that because he had to take right. whatever he could get.
1: Right, but I, I guess like I use Bill Murray as like it, you know, at its terminus, like when you become yeah. that famous, but y- you do have to adapt Again. as you're going along. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, I think of like some writers who inspire me. Like I think Thomas Pynchon didn't do an interview for 25 years, and he needed mm-hmm. it. I mean, he has popular books, but it's not like they're not. It's not John Grisham, bestseller, Dan Brown kind of stuff. It was popular in sort of the literary, in a very small literary circle, right? right. Um, and so when he wrote you know, Gravity's Rainbow or what else did he write, Sean V? Um, a few others. Um, like, there was 25 years. There wasn't photo of him. There was not an interview with him. If you wanted access to him, read his book. Mm. And that's because he realized something that most of us don't realize. I already have enough. Mm. this is enough. What I'm creating is enough. Whether a, a million people because here's here's the good news. It sounds like bad news but here's the good news. Less than 1% of the population is ever going to see a Mattia Vella video. 1%. Yeah. And if he's really lucky, 1% of the world's population will see his videos. Right. That's breakthrough Lady Gaga sort of
0: success. Yeah, or like viral in a really bad way. Right. <laughs> right. Like something bad happened. Yeah. He was sold <laughs> in <laughs> half on Wor- World Star. <laughs> yeah, right? like some people go to Japan, some YouTubers, and they become infamous oh Instead yeah of famous right? Oh, right yeah. Yeah, that one the, dude the, 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 the suicide force suicide forcing. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, but actually you know I, I, I even like ask you guys that question because I think that you've both done an amazing job at it and sometimes I actually call it pulling a Joshua uh, to Natalie if like we're out and I'm like eh, like I don't really feel like staying out let's go or, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go out tonight like you just you you really just follow whether you want to do something or not and if you don't want to do something you will call the night short and well, go home I
1: think when it becomes a have to like that's where when you've really got to ask yourself, like, do I have to? Mm-hmm. Like, is this something I really need to do?
2: I gotta also make sure it doesn't become a crutch, and and that's mm-hmm. something that I, I struggle with. Because like last night, when we went to that Matt Nathanson concert. I was, I was like, I just want to go to bed at like seven forty-five. Yeah. Um.
1: And were sucked last night.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, I could become a parody of myself. I could become the Bill Murray of Bill Murray. It's just the JFM of JFM. And like, well, nope. I'm gonna say no to absolutely everything. Like uh, Derek Sivers is a good example of this. When we finally got him to say yes to doing the event with us that um, you all can listen to, we did an episode with him. When we were Um, in Auckland. Yeah. yeah. And he says no to everything and he realized like, I probably should start saying yes to some things. Like this Mm. has become a problem. Mm. And so it's saying yes when I have to say yes. You know, he calls it, you know, saying hell yes. His his book uh, is hell yes or no right? um, or hell yeah or no and and, but sometimes we can get into too much of a pattern where everything becomes sort of a hell no yeah because like
0: you're sometimes it's you're saying no because it's uncomfortable and you have to really understand if you're just trying to shy away from discomfort and you want to just stay home yeah of course that's always the easy decision Mm -hmm. but then when you're actually out when you're at that concert did you Enjoy it. Did well, you have the best a good time? I've ever been to. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. awesome. It was amazing. Mm.
2: Um, he's a stand-up comedian who happens to play <laughs> yeah. to play music. Yeah. It was unbelievable. So good. Yeah. Anyway, we have got some questions here. Uh, surprise questions. One's from Samantha. Surprise. On Patreon, she says, "Any advice for quieting my inner critic so I have breathing room
1: to create free from judgment?" It's such a like double-edged sword because the inner critic is necessary. Like you've got to be able to criticize oh, you got to be able to give yourself feedback. You don't want to criticize yourself because there's a difference between criticism and feedback. Criticism is just like shitting on your own work, where feedback is looking at it and saying this is good. Here's what I could have done differently, and I think maybe that is how you help quiet that voice. Is you get really good at determining when you're just being insecure or when you're actually looking at your creation and you are uh, you are noticing that there are a few different things you could have done differently to make it better. How do you how do you
0: yeah, how I, do
1: you not listen to that inner critic?
0: I was literally going to say the right. same exact thing, and I think that's a great way to differentiate it to to separate feedback from the critic, because mm-hmm. generally critics. Or, or being a critic, there's kind of a negative connotation for well, it. Because mm. critics critics show up with a problem. F- uh, people with feedback show up with a solution, and then that's how uh, I, I I look at the difference. Ooh, like are you giving yourself
2: a solution or are you just making yourself feel bad? Right, I'm, I'm yeah. judging myself. Uh, oh my god, yeah. like, It's like you, you go, uh, Ryan. You wrote an essay about this. Um, I forget the title of it. Uh, it will come to me in the, in the middle of this rant, but uh, about like standing in front of the mirror naked mm. and and. Uh, like noticing imperfections yeah it's like and, yeah and the fitter you get the more
1: imperfections you notice your in expectations way. get raised a little bit right yeah. speak and- for yourself <laughs> <laughs> oh man I would say let's do this podcast shirtless but I don't want Matt to outshine us <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's the only person who's ever got us on film with no shirts sure, on I'm know.
0: proud of that when I sat you guys down to <laughs> explain that to you I was like uh, I, I'm almost certain they're gonna say no. Oh, dude! Uh, but you guys, you guys it was, came through. It was, it was a, uh, a, that was totally one of my favorite again. moments on my YouTube channel. <laughs> that's <so> awesome. Far. <laughs> yeah. How were the comments
2: on that? Uh, I don't know if I saw them, <laughs> but it's just like
0: that's what I try to do in my videos too, and I think that's what comedy is in general—is like. When something unexpected happens yeah. when you're taking somebody down one path and then you take a sharp left or a sharp right yeah. uh, that they don't see coming and then that video happened to be like me being like well i'm here to show you guys that minimalism is not extreme so let's go into josh <laughs> and ryan's office yeah. and then i open the door and then you guys are shirtless yeah. and naked so uh, good man
2: <laughs> yeah it, well to finish the the how do you say no sort of conversation i think matt you already do a great job of of saying no so i wouldn't i wouldn't worry about that too much i mean maybe the only thing i would tweak if i'm in your shoes is like don't give someone a false expectation that that's sort of like when you try to date someone and they're like yeah i'm not available next thursday and you're like okay what about next friday yeah. ah not then either i'm washing my hair Just yeah. Busy yeah. That, that whole forever. week yeah right right and it's like well no you, you want to be able to say no and then if for some reason it really compels you like with with uh the jamie kilstein thing he was someone who's Message and whose recent sort of tragedies, I I really appreciated what he was going through, and I could relate to it. And I I thought he was hilarious, and I always say I want more comics in my life mm-hmm. because I, I always need more laughter in my life. So he was already adding value to me. So I'm like, yeah, I'd love. I don't want to do an interview with you, man. Like, but I'd love to just sit down and chat. And we've become friends yeah. since.
0: Yeah. Do you, so do you think? Oh, sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. But do you, in terms of the whole critic thing, right now there is a self love movement. Do you think in a lot of ways that could become a bad thing? I mean, I, I imagine not many like comedians... too confident? Yeah, not many comedians are into like self-love and yeah. self-care. They're, you know, does that in a way make us soft?
1: I think like there's a balance with, with everything, right? So yeah, maybe like right now we're a little unbalanced with love yourself. Just be vulnerable.
0: Yeah, like a lot Lean
1: of Lean in. Yeah, it's like, I, I mean, and, and it's, some of that stuff is true. It absolutely is true, but... Yeah, when we rely too much on the self-care, the self-love, then it eventually it, it might become selfish.
2: When you look at, uh, at Sandberg with the Lean In thing, like you're right on its on the surface, it could be a platitude. Yeah. The the way to avoid making that a platitude is you write a whole book about it, really explain. It, or right. or Brené Brown with, with vulnerability. Absolutely, she has become the sort of uh, doctor of, of vulnerability. Vulnerability trying to explain what that means, and it doesn't just mean being solved. I think sometimes with, with the the downside of of comics, and I think what Rob Bell would say is that uh, they're they're cynical, and so they don't go far enough. Um, cynicism is by itself a very weak virtue it 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 is it is the worst kind of judgment cynicism Mm. is you know what i um i'm afraid of that Mm. and so i'm not willing to 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 tackle it so the self-love thing can often mean no i'm willing to go farther i'm willing to go beyond cynicism i'm willing to confront you know like why am i making fun of those people walking down the street oh that's because I and uh, Bex and I were doing yeah. this the other day. And I'm like, what are we doing right now? What's well, funny? Makes are me we think- this insecure yeah. that we have to make fun of the 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 person you know with the cargo shorts yeah. or whatever it is? It sometimes
0: may- it's fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> the balance. Well, right? it, it makes me
1: think about like you know judging the, the the girls laying down in the poppies and killing the poppy fields. It's like. Because that's something I would never do.
0: Yeah, but they're objectively
2: doing something horrible.
1: Yeah, okay, that's true. You're right. I mean, I guess it's sometimes it's okay to be like, no, we probably shouldn't do that. Well,
0: yeah, it's hard because like we we in a lot of ways encourage that on everybody's encouraging it oh, to yeah. get the cool photo normally it doesn't affect the environment normally it's like here's this pink wall that we can pose in front of yeah. but then you can see where it would go too far and people wouldn't second guess it especially mm-hmm. when everybody else is doing yeah. it.
1: yeah i just really have a thing against basic bitches man
0: basic <laughs> bitches.
1: hey samantha you've got to be able to look <laughs> yeah me either i i was i don't know i i just i just had that pop into my head no samantha when you look at your inner critic, you've got to be able to ask yourself: like, are you just being cynical towards your own creations, towards yourself, or is there something that you're trying to hone? Is there something you're trying to make better? And if you can't get past the cynicism, then yeah, you you can give yourself permission to like let go of that cynicism if that's all it is.
2: I think we got two more questions here. I'll try to get through them. Uh, Marty from Patreon says, "My husband and I are both very analytical. He's an engineer." And I am an analyst.
1: Like she's, or he's, le- yeah, legitimately <laughs> analytical as an analyst. <laughs>
2: yeah. We're, we're starting to create short films with the goal of entering a film festival someday. Where I see us weak in, is in the artistic slash creativity aspect. Can you point us in the direction of any books, resources, or websites to help us learn how to foster and enhance our creativity?
1: Dude, the war of art. That's a great book. I'll, I'll, i mean i'll recommend that right off the bat um what, did we talk about this podcast or was that the last one either way sean will have it in the yeah, that was this podcast. podcast sean will have it in the notes yeah it's a great one so so the first off entering the
2: film festival is probably the wrong goal right yeah. i think
0: like unanimously we can just say that
1: yeah it's probably a bad a racket, idea man well it's a racket for guys like us for independent artists like us because like let's say you want to go to sundance i mean there are some independent films that do amazing at Sundance, but, like, you have to revolve your whole film, the release of it, around Sundance. So, like, yeah, if you want to pigeonhole yourself into one film festival... Like, sure, like, make that your dream and do it, but just understand that, like, you're not going to get into Sundance, South by Southwest, Toronto Film Festival, and what's in the other big one? The Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to hit all of those.
0: And who, who's getting the value? When we are submitting to all these small festivals, and maybe mm-hmm. we submitted to like 500 of them, mm-hmm. the yeah. really small one, and I would say 95 to 99% of them, we were providing the value to them. Yes. We were pushing people, like, hey, go out, and like, we realized halfway through, hey, we're pushing people to go out to see this film in public to give money to this film festival yeah. we paid to go into the film festival we
1: paid to submit
0: yeah oh we paid God. thousands and thousands like what are we getting out of this we paid thousands
1: of dollars to be told no yeah most and like of the time.
0: so it, it made me look cool in the trailer that we like won we got some good laurels. 800 awards. Right. We got LA Art Film Festival, laurels. best film. But at the end of the day, if the film's good, the film's good. And right. you, don't, you need don't need those laurels to prove absolutely. anything.
2: Right. Can you imagine if like you just started submitting each of your YouTube videos instead of like putting them up on YouTube? You're like, I'm just going to submit each of these to a film festival. You could. Like, here's my mm-hmm. short documentary. And... Uh, you know what? There's nothing inherently wrong with submitting to them. you are probably waste your money. The, the thing that I struggle with, I just hate the word submit. I don't want to submit to anyone. I want to present this to the world. Mm-hmm. If you find value in it, great. If not, I totally understand. And and thanks for your feedback. Mm-hmm. Thank you for taking the time to watch it, even though you didn't enjoy it. I'm grateful for that, too. Um, now, move on. And we'll add value where we can. But you're right, Matt. With the, with the film festivals, it was like... We're bringing the audience, we're bringing the value, except for the big seven, basically. Those are the ones that can add some value to a film. But as Ryan said, you're going to, if that's going to be your dream, it might be the wrong dream. Because what if your dream is to be a TIFF? Yeah. And they say no. Well, now you've just crushed your dream. What's a better dream? Create a film that helps people, that people enjoy, that entertains people, that solves problems, that makes them laugh, that makes them cry, that makes them feel something. Doing something that you couldn't do, other than with that film. Yeah. If that's the outcome, then you don't need Tiff, and it ends. If it ends up getting in there, great. If not, great. Then move on. Dude, what books do you have? Have you read about creativity that have really helped you? What uh, about the, uh, the like- art? Of, the art of memoir by by Mary Carr is. Uh, and I think you could probably apply a lot of it to to film. It's just about it's, the, it's essentially the art of not narrative nonfiction storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's one of my favorite writers. She's a poet. Um, she's a memoirist, best memoirist alive or dead. I think. I mean, she's amazing. She writes these gorgeous sentences about down, her downtrodden sort of. Uh, upbringing in west texas mm. uh, she has three three memoirs one is called uh the liars club that's her first one most popular one cherry and lit and uh, then she wrote a fourth book uh the art of memoir mm. and she teaches at uh
0: in ithaca um yeah, what, about what about you man yeah i'd recommend creativity inc by ed Calmet. i believe his last name is okay. uh but he was the co-founder of pixar and it's a really interesting look at how to foster and encourage creativity and inspiration. Cool. I've not heard of that at all to check it out. Yeah. Like really, like it's some like some practical advice. Like you see all the behind the scenes of things that could have that could have went really wrong. Yeah. Like Toy Story 2 almost didn't happen because mm-hmm. they accidentally had a shortcut that automatically would delete Everything, So they accidentally deleted, I think like 90% of Toy Story 2. Oh my God. But it just so happened that somebody was on maternity leave and was at home and had a hard drive with the film, the full film on it. So they were able to save, they actually brought everybody the next day into a meeting to let everybody know that they lost the film and they might not have enough money to actually recreate it and restart it. And then somebody was like, "Uh, I think like Cheryl brought home (laughs) a hard drive with it. So then they all just like rush there and are like carrying it back like a... (laughs) like a precious artifact but like it was just cool to see the behind the scenes and I think that's what fascinated me so much uh and and made me want to start podcasting and and talk with other creatives because I know through creating minimalism how difficult it was Mm. and people sometimes just see the finished product And they think it was a straightforward path to get there, but it's, it's not at all. And the more you understand as a creative, what goes into these things, I think the more you can understand and and adapt when things do go wrong and not just give up because things are hard. Do you find it
1: easier? Like when you edited and put together the most recent documentary that we pretty much scrapped, like, was that an easier process since you had already gone through? minimalism
0: yes and no it's kind of like going to the gym going to the gym never gets easier the Mm. workouts in right in like a little bit like when you when you're really out of shape and you go there it's a different kind of pain and it's not comfortable but then you kind of push through that but you're always in pain at the gym right in the middle of a workout i think sam harris talks about it where it's like if you were to just have that pain spontaneously at home yeah. you'd be like oh my god my arms what's going what's happening? On? Right. Yeah. so there we, is pain we were pain. talking about this
2: with matt nathanson uh, the other day where uh, like i think we were was uh, that what we were talking like if if like i started giving ryan a shoulder massage no this is something i was talking to bex about i think oh, yeah uh like if it was, like, really... Actually, it happened the other day. You and Sean, like, were both working on my back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, because I, I had this, like... My neck wouldn't move. And so, like, you're just digging in. But imagine out of context, no one was touching me. I started feeling that <laughs> level of pain. Yeah. I would think I was dying. Right, yeah. And, and so a lot of it has to do... I think creativity is the same way. When it, when it feels like drudgery, sometimes it has to do with reframing it. Like, this pain... Is is for a reason. An indicator. So, so the, I think the the thing to be concerned about here is what is the verb? What are you trying to create? Uh, um, not the thing, but actually doing the creating, the filmmaking as opposed to the filmmaker, the writing as opposed to the writer, yeah. the the producing as opposed to the producer. Right? Well, what are you? what is the thing that you want to do? And doing more of that. And, and a lot of it's going to be bad. A lot of what we filmed for minimalism was bad. A lot of what we're filming for Less Is Now, our next our, our next special, is has been bad. Those aren't the parts that you show everyone. It requires the bad, the heaps of the bad, to create something beautiful. Last question here from Artemisi from Patreon. I'm a singer. Creative work seems to be... Seems to equal constant financial insecurity. Mm. How would you change your mindset to live well in a job you are constantly fighting to keep
1: financially stable? It's interesting because, like right off the bat, I feel like they've already defeated themselves. Like they're saying, "Well, it's a fact that creative work seems to equal constant financial insecurity." Like with that attitude, then yeah, I guess it would always be that way.
2: Yeah, I mean, what does that mean? I, I think,
1: <laughs> I think working for someone is.
2: Uh, is financial insecurity because yeah. you're always going to be insecure because you're, you're working for someone else and they can fire you, the company can go under, yep. uh, whatever. But what's, what equals more stability? Let's not even say security. I think security is a misnomer. But stability mm. is having skill set. Mm-hmm. and so if everything blows up YouTube goes out of business and Matt is like well I guess I got it for a period of time now I can make really awesome wedding videos because most wedding videographers suck <laughs> <laughs> and, and the, the thing is like he could go do that because he has the skill set to do it and he wouldn't have to do that he would just do other client work but it, even if the client work all dried up he'd have something because he has a diversity of skills and that really mm-hmm. that, that piggybacks on Marty's question here the way you get the diversity of skills you get the creativity is by doing those things. Ryan and I weren't great at podcasting and we didn't we avoided podcasting for a long time, but then we started doing these Q&As at our events that you were at. You know, every event we started answering people's questions. We we're like, "Ah, oh, we realized we can maybe talk to people." The difference is now we just have a microphone there instead of the crowd being in the room with us. Right. The crowd is at work or at the gym or wherever with their headphones on. And it's using that skill set of that we've developed of answering people's questions eventually led to the podcast. If it would have happened the other way around, this podcast would have been a disaster when it first
1: started. Yeah, I'm wondering like maybe if they're focusing on money too much. Like <clears throat> we When we first started The Minimalists, we did it because we had information that we wanted to write down that we wanted to put out there on the internet. It was never about like, okay, at the one-year mark we can sell a book, and then at the two-year mark we can start a podcast, and then at the three-year mark we'll write another book and we'll go on tour with it. I mean, it was it was very much us putting in the effort to uh, to, to create something that we really felt strongly that we needed that we had to create. Um, I mean, the, our goal was to just be baristas. Yeah. Our goal was to like maybe open up a coffee shop eventually. Uh, and we opened up the coffee shop. We just haven't been baristas yet. I don't know how we skipped <laughs> that step.
2: They let us work there for
1: two days, <laughs> if you remember. And that's it. They'll yeah. never have us back. <laughs> 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 Funny, yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. But like, you know, if you need money uh, to, to survive, well... We all need money to survive. Like to say it's not part of the equation is uh that's that's not it's just not true. Yeah. Money is part of the equation.
0: But, but I would say also uh sorry to cut you off but no, you're good. some people you can reduce your bills and that what i did after graduating from college and trying to freelance for a little bit having ninety seven thousand dollars in debt and i'm like oh this is tough i don't think i can do this but i still was very passionate about filmmaking i wanted to build a business so i moved home to live with my parents Mm -hmm. and not everybody has that option but i did and if others do out there and if they have other ways to reduce their expenses their bills maybe move into a different neighborhood move to a different state if they have to yeah there are options to reduce your expenses oh Um, dude like i
1: mean when we were managing stores people come to us and ask for a raise and like we would always say like you know the best way to give yourself a raise is to stop spending so much money so so and and i'm not i'm not like trying to pick on uh you know the, the person who asked this question here but um what i will say is like if money is a problem yes you can do things like spend less um, if you got to go out and be a barista, go be a barista. If you got to deliver pizzas, deliver pizzas. The question isn't whether or not you can create and then make a full time living, a stable income, and be you know massively rich off your creations. You need to create because you want to put something out there because you are passionate about what you are creating. But as soon as you start to you know factor in money with uh, with your creations, like that's a good way to a like stress yourself out. B to kill your your creative outlet that you have. Yeah. Um, I mean, when when we first started the minimalists, I was working for a uh, for like a few months um, before I started before we started up the uh, the mentoring stuff and the writing class stuff. Like I was working at this um, company; they were selling green, like to-go containers you know like biodegradable straws and cups and stuff like that but it was something i was really passionate about and i'm like dude, i could totally do this on the side and make a little bit of extra money Mm -hmm. so i don't have to stress myself out and like sit here and live month to month um there's no shame in doing that but there i think there is a shame when you are basically forcing yourself to make a full-time living from your creation and like that is your main focus i'm gonna make okay i'm gonna i'm really passionate about this one thing and i'm gonna figure out how to make a full-time living from it like that is it's just it can be a recipe yeah it's backwards it can be a recipe for disaster
2: it's it's cart before the horse and and ultimately i think what, what they get out of this is create because you get to. And mm. eventually, if you create because you get to, and if those creations help people solve problems, that's how every business in the world makes money, unless it's a monopoly. Yeah. Um, and, and so if you're helping people solve problems with your creations, eventually that will lead to some sort of Financial you know, reward for it. Now, will it be a, a stable income? Will it be a full time living? Well, you get to decide. If you help more people,
1: then yes, yeah, 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 it will. Mm. Uh, now, even th- with us right now, dude, like we get to do this, mm-hmm. and it's amazing that we make a full time living off of this. Right. But like, if the if the rug got swept out from underneath of us, I wouldn't hesitate to a continue to do this, and then b like go find. I mean, I have to just change apartments cause it's insanely expensive to live in LA, yeah, but, but I move could go back
2: to Dayton, Ohio, yeah, $500 a yes, month. Turn but. my
1: life around on a dime and go be a barista and still be able to create some really meaningful things while providing for myself.
0: Yeah.
1: Matt, thank you for joining us today. My friend, you're so handsome. Thank Matt. you for having
0: me. <laughs> wow. That's
1: thanks thanks why I come here, here man. <laughs> for all the compliments. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I really do think you're doing something meaningful Heck with, yeah. with what you're creating with, with your films. Um, and you're one of the most talented people I know, and I really appreciate you, brother.
1: Yeah, dude. Thanks, guys. You're awesome, man.
2: All right, y'all. I love people use things. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for the support, y'all.
0: The (laughs) minimalists.